Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, it was a decision that, you know, brought upon by Leslie, and, and he, he wants to take a year off. And, and so he's done a really good job with mm-hmm. our defense. And the seasons get long, and they get long. And as you guys know, as a player and, and as a coach, I mean, they're, they're not easy and, and for anyone, staff included. So, you know, this is something that he wants to do, and, and we support him through it. That is um, Bills head coach Sean McDermott on One Bills Live yesterday. The big news yesterday, Leslie Frazier stepping away from coaching for the 2023 season. And the Bills really not sure what's going to happen after that. Uh, Frazier had said, told the Bills he would want to come back to coaching in 2024. But Brandon Bean said, yeah, we don't know if it's here or what's going on. They're going to figure it out down the road. We are going to the Western Hotline for a lot of Bills talk. It is Wednesday. It's, you know, a little bit after 8. Uh, so that means Joe Marino is joining us from the Locked On Bills podcast on the Odyssey app, and he is cranking out episodes with a lot to cover. Joe, it's Howard and Joe. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. I'm doing well, and I uh, hope you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a good place. Uh, Joe, so Leslie Frazier news comes down yesterday. Let's start with your initial reaction or your reaction to the news, and we'll get into some details and layers to the story. Well, it, it feels a little late in the game for the Bills to have to, you know, consider a, a change at defensive coordinator, but it sounds like after the week off uh, that the coaches were given, he came back and made this decision, and it sounds like, you know, from all indications, listening to McDermott and Bean yesterday, that if Frazier wanted to continue as the defensive coordinator, he would have. Uh, and so it kind of takes away the speculation about how the decision was made or who, you know, was it the Bills initiated? It sounds like Leslie Frazier legitimately wanted to take this year away from football. And so uh, puts the Bills in an interesting spot. I, I think fortunately for them, it's on the defensive side of the football where Sean McDermott's background is. And you, know, you certainly have a lot of uh, bright names, whether it's a Bobby Babbage or a John Butler Al Holcomb, Eric Washington, a lot of experience on that side of the football. And so uh, the Bills are probably in a good position to handle it on that side, but uh, obviously a, a little wrinkle here as the free agency approaches. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Joe. Joe and I, this Joe and I, talked about this yesterday when the news, the news came down in our final hour of the show and some of the national media are tweeting out, this is major, this is significant. And I'm like, no, it isn't. Yeah. It's not. I mean, Brian Dable leaving a year ago, was major. This is the defensive coordinator on a staff headed by a defense, former defensive coordinator, defensive-minded head coach. It's not a big deal. And I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish Leslie Frazier's contributions uh, to yeah. that side of the ball, but this is, I, and you said late in the game, like, yeah, it was portrayed that way, like, oh my God, the Bills are screwed. What are they going to do? 
No, because McDermott could do it. Um, Al Holcomb has been a defensive coordinator, and you mentioned some of the other guys on the staff, you know, Butler, Babich, Washington. I'm really not worried about it at all, quite honestly. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it, and I don't think that's diminishing the reality of the situation. I think it is just the reality of the situation. Um, that's that's the Bills' bread and butter. Is it's supposed to be on that defensive side of the football? And I think what makes it what makes it interesting is I think we can all really respect uh, so much of Leslie Frazier and his contributions and how good those defenses were uh, pretty much year in year out. I mean, um, very high in total defense, DVOA scoring. However you want to measure defense, you'll you'll find a good story uh, in the numbers. Uh, but where it gets a little bit more difficult is while you can respect all of that, it feels like in those biggest moments, in those playoff elimination games, you look at the last uh, three years against the Bengals and two against the Chiefs, and you can go back four years and talk about uh, second-half meltdown where the defense allowed 22 points in the second half against Houston and lost, and realize that there's some chinks in the armor and, and that um, the really top-end quarterbacks really didn't have much of an issue of um, playing against Leslie Frazier's scheme and some of the more passive tendencies of coverage alignments and um, were able to really exploit the Bills in some of the biggest moments during his tenure. So I think that's, you know, for as much good as was that was accomplished, I, I think you kinda, you're kind you kind of left wanting a lot more in those elimination games and you kind of get curious about what this can mean for the Bills in those moments going forward. Will they have a better result against top quarterbacks in the playoffs you know, without Leslie Frazier, we'll see. Without Frazier and personnel changes, I know we're in the unknown still on Edmonds and Poyer and the rest of it, but are you thinking about whether or not the defense schematically could look any different next year? Would that be more personnel-based for you than Frazier leaving? Perhaps, yeah. I, I think that's – it could be both, though, Joe, honestly. I mean, you're, you could be looking at a defense here with some – some really different looking pieces, whether that's that Mike linebacker or that safety spot opposite of Micah Hyde, getting Micah Hyde back, you know, at some point Von Miller being back, probably Kyer Elam entrenched as that corner opposite of Trey White. So there's a, there's enough personnel change possibility that leads me to believe that there could be some new look stuff there, but also, you know, just the, the, the nature of who's calling the plays, whether that's uh, somebody like a Bobby Babich in their first role year of doing that, or Sean McDermott, who I think historically has been a much more aggressive play caller uh, than what we've seen from Mosley Frazier. So I think there's a pretty clear path for this defense to look a little bit different uh, moving forward, and hopefully that uh, proves to be a good different in some of those big games. Joe, Joe stole my question, so I'll follow <laughs> up on your answer to his because I think this is a natural follow. You mentioned one yeah. word, that, that at, and I think Brandon Bean used the same word when describing Sean McDermott's play calling in Carolina. Aggressive. Okay, Mr. Marino, when you say aggressive, what do you mean? Um, like, I would hear that and think, are they going to blitz more? Are they going to take more chances? I mean, they don't blitz a lot. They like to use rush with the front four. They keep their safeties back. They don't give up. They don't gamble too much. They don't want to give up the big play over the top. Um, what, when you say aggressive, how might that translate into what we see on the field? Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that Sean McDermott's been known for is an understanding of what the bread and butter is for an opponent on offense and then being very aggressive with how he counters that and really has uh, been willing to accelerate the offense's process, whether it's through coverage spacing, whether it's through, through really dynamic coverage rotations and, and 
disguising intentions and also just complementing some of where he wants to send the rush um, versus where that's probably going to put the quarterback in terms of their progression and kind of really um, take some things away from them that they want and accelerate their process and force them into mistakes. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of it as a, okay, he's going to send the house all the time, Mm -hmm. but I think a little bit more dynamic of a, of a, a philosophy to be very intentional about forcing the offense into places on the field that they don't typically want to go. uh, If that makes sense. And I think that comes from, like I said, a lot of coverage shell rotation. And um, you know, I, I think about some of the game plans, even, against the Dolphins prior to this season where, you know, there was just a a keen understanding of what they wanted to achieve. And and I would almost label some of the the, the game plans that we've seen the Bills have as disrespectful just because of how aggressive they were to know what they wanted to do and and really force the action. So I think that's more the aggressive that I would label a Sean McDermott uh, play caller. I I don't know if you read this too, but Peter King – wrote about Jalen Ramsey the other day. And I'm not going to ask you about Jalen Ramsey, but he wrote, like, of the teams that, oh, this would make sense for, he wrote the Bills. And me and Sal went off about it the other day in the Extra Point Show. But what it did, Joe, was made me think about corner for the first time since the end of the season. And now, with Frazier leaving, it has me thinking about it again. Tredavious White, at the end of the year, after coming back from the injury, Kyer Elam being kind of in and out all year, is it as simple as they're your one and two? And if that's the case, I guess how rock solid should Bills fans feel about those two going into next year? I think it should be. I mean, Trey White, obviously a handsomely played player um, that I think at times last year looked like himself. Um, and I think with a full off season of just getting ready to play football and not rehabbing a knee will put him in a good position to hit the ground running. And, and obviously there's a big investment there. And, now you just traded up for Kyrie Elam in the first round last year. I think that it should be pretty cut and dry that that's your starting corner tandem. And then I think on top of that, you can really like the depth that you have with a Christian Benford and what he was able to prove as a late-round rookie last year. And then even Dane Jackson, who I understand is a restricted free agent, but I think there's probably a pretty clear clear path for the Bills to be able to bring him back as a depth option um, if you're you know if they if they want to, um, even with the dynamics of a restricted free agent. So. I think the Bills, from a starter position, they have high upside talent. From a depth position, position they have both established depth in Dane Jackson and, and young, intriguing depth in Christian Benford. So I feel pretty comfortable with this corner situation, and I, I do look at it as a pretty cut-and-dry uh, deal, although you know <laughs> you start to, to start moving around pieces here and, and you feel like Benford has to go to safety and you don't bring back Jackson. Now you got questions about your depth. Like, it can change quickly in the NFL, as we know. So, uh, on the surface right now, it looks pretty stable, but we all know that can change quickly. You know, yesterday was staff changes, of course. It wasn't just the Leslie Frazier news. That was the big news. But there were officially um, new assistants hired or announced. And I wanted to bring that up, Joe, because I think while we're focusing, of course, on Frazier and what's going to happen with the play caller on defense, to me, there are two guys that we should look at, two new uh, guys on this staff. One is the receivers coach, Adam Henry. The other one is Joe Dana, the safety coach, who McDermott was raving about like he had really good referrals on. He'd never worked with him. Those guys have key roles going forward, if you think about this, right? Because 
you know, the new receiver coach coming in, we're going to need more consistency from Gabe Davis. He's going to work with a young Khalil Shakir in year two. I think a lot of us, Joe, are hoping he'll be working with a day one or day two draft pick to develop. And the safety coach, after years of Poyer and Hyde, it's a good chance Poyer's gone. Maybe hide after next season. You could be turning over both starting spots and looking for young guys to develop there. So Frazier was the news, but I think those are two really important hires because they're going to be placed. Uh, they're going to be dealing with some some key players at those positions. Yeah, and you know what I think about when I consider both of those spots, and I think that's a, a really good angle to to look at this from, um, is the, the fact that you have replaced young coaches and a Jim Salgado who was your safeties coach was relatively new in the league and you know certainly doesn't have a 15-year resume like a uh, Joe Dana does um, and then even a coach a uh, wide receiver you mentioned Chad Hall being out mm-hmm. who you know, has been with McDermott for well you know I think since he's been in Buffalo but still a relatively young coach in the league you replace it with with Adam Henry who's you know very established played in the league um, worked with a lot of high-profile receivers throughout his time with the 49ers, Giants, Browns, Cowboys, of course, his time in LSU. So I feel like you've got a lot more experience in two of the biggest shifts that you've made in your coaching staff at wide receivers coach and safeties coach. And I think if you foil that with the point that you made about the changes and need for development at both spots, I think you can find some optimism in that you've gained experience at the expense of maybe some some names you've been familiar with over the last couple of seasons we're with joe marino locked on bills podcast on the odyssey app 8030550 have any bills questions comments or opinions on your latest episode you go through like clues on what bean and mcdermott kind of gave away about certain positions yesterday and let's start with receiver should should we rule anybody out after what Bean and McDermott said about receiver, including Bean calling Gabe Davis the number two? Well, I, I think the messaging has been extremely consistent from both McDermott and Bean about Gabriel Davis, their belief in him, their confidence in him. I mean, how many times have we heard Brandon Bean say nobody outworks Gabe Davis and anything that was an issue last year, well, you know, he, they, they fully expect it to be taken care of and, you know, for them to both bring up the high ankle sprain going into week two, it, like it definitely felt like there was a lot of love to be shared uh, regarding their feelings of Gabriel Davis in that role. And so um, it certainly leads me to believe that he's on track to be that guy. And it makes me wonder about, you know, what the plan is to really elevate the weaponry around uh, Josh Allen at the skill spots. And, and I like that Sean McDermott mentioned um Khalil Shakir a young player that they like and what he can mean in year two but it felt like the questions about wide receivers Brandon Bean wanted to kind of redirect them towards we want playmakers and when he talked about playmakers and he was asked to follow up about okay what what uh what is the characteristic of a playmaker in your mind the first thing he mentions is run after catch ability which is something I've been talking about for years. I mean, Josh Allen's been dead last in the NFL the last two years at yards after catch per completion, and I think he was like 24th three years ago. So just never really um, having much production in that regard. And I thought it was interesting that Brandon Bean's first opportunity, uh, or first thing he said about when asking about playmakers was was run after catch ability. And, and so it leads me to believe that maybe they're willing to be creative with um, how they add talent to this offense, and maybe it's, one of these more twitchy slot receivers that, you know, can uncover quick and, you know, take a short pass into a long one or, 
you know, maybe it's uh, uh, even weaponizing the tight end position a little bit more, and you got a really good crop of tight ends, and Brandon Bean kind of admitted that yesterday. So it leads me to believe that there's um, some – it might not be the, – the investment at, re, I guess, receiver slash weapon um, won't necessarily come in the form of a number two, but maybe more in an X factor, whether that's a slot guy or one of these, you know, speedy, smaller backs, you know, that they can weaponize in different ways or even a tight end. So – uh, it certainly opened my mind to more possibilities than just a number two re- uh, challenger for Gabe Davis. I feel like he's in, in track, whether you like it or not, to, uh, again, push for 100 targets in this offense next year. All right, let me piggyback off that. Based on what you just talked about with them talking about Davis and Shakir, I and, and this is not new. For, from day one here, both of these guys truly believe when you build a football team, you start up front. The offensive line and the defensive line. And again yesterday, um, you know, Brandon Bean, they were both asked about the offensive line. And in his answer about offensive line investments, Bean talked about how you always look up front first before you get to playmakers. And when McDermott, Joe, was asked about the offensive line, hey, some good things at times. You know, we ran the ball better in the second half, but sometimes the quarterback was affected too early. They're going to take a first-round pick and use it on an offensive lineman, Joe. Is that, is that a, that's a take for put you, it in huh? put uh, it in ink I wouldn't say use blood because I'm I mean I, I faint at the sight of blood yes they're gonna the wide receiver train took a hit yesterday in the first round yeah. of the draft I think that's fair I think it's a fair way to look at it um I mean I also thought it was interesting that Brandon Bean when asked about the offensive line he by name said well we've got Dion Mitch Bates and Spencer he didn't he didn't um, initially say Saffold. Yeah. No, and then he kind of came back and, and said, Roger. Apple, Roger right. is a free right. agent. So, like, yep. I, I, I wonder if they consider this um, as more of a left guard or right whatever. Maybe you move Bates back to left guard. You need a guard and you need depth um, as, as more than anything. And I know that there's a lot of mixed opinions out there about Spencer Brown and, you know, his viability as the, the present and future at right tackle. Um, but uh, I, I tend to think that the team believes that he is. And, I, you know, when Bean lumped him in with those other guys who are all paid vets, right, and, in, in, you know, have multi-year extensions, and, and then uh, I think about what Sean McDermott said in his year-end presser about, you know, just some of the challenges that Spencer's had. But um, with coming out of a back surgery all off season, the physical upside there, just kind of his journey, it feels like they believe he's the right tackle. Um, so if it comes, I think it would come in the form of a guard, but I also wonder, you know, if this is such an important thing, if they don't look at some of these free agents, whether that's a Mm -hmm. Ben Powers or a Dalton Risner, um, Isaac Siamalu, right? It feels like there's a bunch of guards that they can go after in free agency. So I hear you on that potential first round, but, you know, if, if this is such a priority, maybe they do look at a veteran. Um, geez, there's so much stuff, and we're not going to get to all of it. I want okay, go ahead, and then I, I got say, a quick question on free agency. How about you. running back? How would you handicap um, the odds Devin Singletary comes back after being talked about expanded workload and touches and whatnot for uh, for James Cook? I think that's going to come down to what Devin Singletary's market is, and I'll tell you what, I don't think he's hitting free agency at a good time. We have a very good free agent crop of running backs: Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, David Montgomery. Looks like Leonard Fournette's going to be part of that mix. Miles Sanders, I mean, Alexander Madison. There's a lot of good free agent running backs. And then you have a good running back draft. And that doesn't bode well for Devin Singletary, who I think is a a good player, right? I think he's a guy that can 
touch the ball 150 times for your offense. He's dependable. He hasn't gotten injured. Uh, you know, I think you know exactly what you're getting. Um, and there's been growth, right? He became a better short yardage player this year. He's, his receiving ability has really grown throughout the four seasons that he's been with the Bills. And you, know, you, hear, you hear McDermott and Bean and even Josh Allen just talk about what type of teammate he is and a selfless player. Like, there's a lot of appeal there. Um, it just comes down to dollars. You know, I think last year, or if in a vacuum, if you said, what is Devin Singletary's market going to be? I would look at recent contracts for like a Melvin Gordon or a, a Chase Edmonds, and those guys got like $6, 7000000 million a season. I just don't think Devin Singletary's entering free agency at a good time for him to maximize his earnings potential. And so if he's looking for that $6, 7000000 million a year deal, I don't think it's going to be there for him which could put him in a position to come back to Buffalo on uh, a short deal that maybe positions himself to enter uh, uh, a free agency at a better time for him. So uh, th- his market's going to be really fascinating, but I'm nervous for him that the timing here is just really off. All right, Joe, I'm gonna, I've, I've figured out out of all these things I want to ask you, I've whittled it down to one. I'm going to throw three names at you. Uh, one is already on the free agent market. Two are apparently about to be. You let me know if you like any of them for the Bills. Granted, in the context of they're over the cap, they're going to have to restructure, yeah. probably some releases to get under the cap, and yada, yada, yada. Bobby Wagner, Leonard Fournette, Kenny Galladay. Okay, hard, hard pass on Leonard Fournette and Kenny Galladay. Um, Leonard Fournette, just a, just a very inconsistent player throughout his career. Um, just doesn't interest me. I think you can find that downhill back in so many different ways. And same with Kenny Galladay. I mean, I just, I, the appeal there is just not – doesn't exist for me. I think you have that player. You probably have a better version of that in Gabe Davis, to be honest with you. And I just – the disappointment of Galladay, I, I wouldn't sign up for that. With Bobby Wagner, though, I, I perk up. Um, I think if you – don't bring back Tremaine Edmonds. Obviously, that opens up a lot of possibilities with what you could do with the cap space that you were going to give to Tremaine Edmonds, including finding a, a you know viable starting inside linebacker. And I think his experience in the NFL, what he showed last year with the Rams, tells you that at least for another season or two, he's got it. Um, and so that would definitely be an intriguing pivot option if the Bills aren't able to bring back Tremaine Edmonds. You know, if only somebody had a podcast about the Bills on the Odyssey app because uh, there's never any downtime, Joe. So Combine's going on, uh, you know, coaching news happening, the tampering period and free agency is just a couple weeks away. I, I know we hit a lot of your topics, but we left some stuff for your podcast. So promote what you've been doing, what you got going on there right now. Yeah, I appreciate that, Howard. Uh, Locked on Bills daily podcast on the Buffalo Bills all year long. So uh, we, we navigate through the entire season, obviously, the, the games, but the off-seasons where we have a lot of fun about roster construction and you know planning for the future and getting into some creative stuff with some nostalgic looks at you know some of the Bills uh, of the past. So daily podcasts on the Bills, you can find it on the Odyssey app. As always, a pleasure. Thank you, Joe, very much. Yeah, thank you, Howard. It's, uh, congratulations to you on a great run, and I'm glad I got one more chance to speak with you on the air. Bugged you enough over the years. Now I'll let Jeremy and Joe bug you all the time. <laughs> Thanks always for your time, by the way. Yeah, appreciate it, Joe. Thank you, Howard. I appreciate you. Joe's on Twitter, at the Joe Marino, and a uh, good guy. Of course, we ran into him through the Draft Network originally. He was a co-founder of the Draft mm-hmm. Network. They do outstanding work, and now he does uh, wonderful work on the Locked on Bills podcast on the Odyssey app. When we get back, I got a thought on James Cook. The fantasy community was eating up Brandon Bean's comments yesterday. Like, fantasy, the fantasy world yesterday was two things. <laughs> Rashad White hype. 
Oh, well, yeah. Because Fournette, Leonard Fournette got moving on from Fournette because they have Rashad White. Yeah. And, and James Cook hype. Hey, for what it's worth, I know he said hard pass on Fournette. In a bad year for Tampa, he still had over 1,100 total yards from scrimmage last year. He did. He was actually probably more effective as a receiver than a running back. I will year. err on the side of caution. Yeah. What was that chart I saw recently? There was a chart I saw recently. The, like garbage time the, yards, basically. Yeah, it was that. And it was also, it was yards above expected. Uh. And he was... Here well, he, it is. I pulled it up. Having had him briefly on my guillotine league team, his rushing stats as the season went on <laughs> were awful. Yeah. Next gen stats, I believe it was. Uh it was yeah, next gen stats last year. Of every running back in the NFL, yards above expected, Leonard Fournette was dead last. Okay, so that's that's why Joe was having a hard pass. Last. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> really, he was probably on the field because Brady didn't want to get hit and he yeah. didn't want to trust a rookie to pass protect for him. I wanted him on the field a little bit more. Maybe they knew better. It was hurting my fantasy team. Yeah. 803-0550 to join us. Uh we are talking about uh, the Leslie Frazier news. We were talking about the Sabres loss last night, the trade deadline coming up. What do you think they need to add? Sal, by the way, will join us and I will talk more about the coaching news and the bills and everything going on in their world. So stay tuned for that phone lines always open for your questions comments opinions on wgr worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink think what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, I mean, we think, again, it's, it's touches. So whether it's passing it to him, handing it to him, we feel that he can, he can definitely handle a higher workload. You know, whatever, whatever he's asked to do, he'll, he'll be prepared. That is Bills GM Brandon Bean talking about James Cook. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Bean making those comments at the Combine yesterday. If you want to hear what Brandon Bean had to say, what Sean McDermott had to say from the Combine, we have that available uh, on demand. Our coverage of the NFL Combine on WGR is brought to you by Outlet Liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the best place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Ours is talking about James Cook. Cook is a riser in the uh, fantasy football world, and that is one because Singletary is a free agent, and I think that's only going to be it's only going to be em- emphasized even more after Bean made that comment yesterday. Workload being increased, touches being increased, and what what could that what could that mean? He hardly played the first half of the year, mm-hmm. so if it stays the same from what it was in the second half of the year, but for a full season, wouldn't that technically mean workload increase, touches increase? But I kind of want to believe that... that you, they, so you think it's more than what he got the last half Yeah, the no, I, I do. I think hmm. I think it's in there. I think the Bills see it. I think his his workload increasing as the season went on and how well he played. I mean, 
Yards per carry, he finished the season second in the NFL. 5.7. I had no idea. He, yep. he didn't qualify for the... Right, he was. He, he did a couple have carries, carries to qualify for being first, right? Statistically, right now, like fantasy, he's going AJ Dillon, Miles Sanders, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, Brian Robinson. Like he's being drafted where starting running backs are still being drafted. And I know these are early drafts without Singletary's, you know, future determined. But yeah, he was good, second in yards per carry. The yards over expected, he was right there with Aaron Jones and Josh Jacobs. Joe, mm-hmm. let me. Like, who led the league in rushing, by the way. Let me run some numbers by you. You tell me. Let's get an idea of what you're talking about. We, he's yep. clearly he's clearly going to be the number one running back, right? I, okay, let well, me say this. I don't think Devin Singletary is coming back. I hope the they don't draft a running back in round one. So, in my head, or sign James someone. Cook is the number one running back. Me too. I'm not 100% sure on that. I think it's the most likely outcome, but... I'm I'm hesitant to just declare that they they're going to do that. By the way, if they sign a back, this is there are levels to this discussion. What's going on with Naeem Hines? Is he back? Are they right. going to try and is he a cap cut? Are they going to try and get him to take a pay cut? Because yep. if Hines is cut and Singletary signs elsewhere, now there's two running backs they got to add. I mean, it's you know, right. it's James Cook and really nobody else to run the football. I just Hines, how they talked about him at the end of season press conferences. Yeah, they were mentioning more him, use out of him. Yeah, and they were talking about him unprompted, right? They were talking mm-hmm. about wep- asked about being asked about weapons in the offense. Didn't the one of them talk about basically said, but under, probably underused. Yeah, they both said it, and yeah. Bean said it unprompted about you know weapons and whatnot. Hines, I think they like him. I think they love his versatility. I like his versatility. I want my returner to be able to do other things, and he is that. He is a guy that can do other things. He can be your J.D. McKissick, pass-catching running back, that you were trying to land off season last year. You had McKissick turn his back on you and go back to Washington. And Cook, never on the same page with Josh Allen, all yep. year as a pass-catching running back. But you know where he was great? Running the football. So I don't see why at a position where you can basically plug anybody in and you'll get good success to, to some degree. It's more about the O-line and the run blocking even in the first place in the, the scheme than it is about the running back. Why invest any asset whatsoever? Anything. Right. Uh, anything. A fourth round pick even. I don't see the need for the Bills to do it. Just go with the two guys you have. Get Naheem Hines' contract restructured so he's not making yeah, he an obscene five, salary. Just under five for the cap number. Not right? Yeah, right. Not worth it for the player he is. So, get the cap number down on Hines. You have Hines be your returner and your J.D. McKissick that you've been looking for. And then James Cook, who was second in the NFL in yards per carry and was good by the advanced numbers, is your starting running back. When you, by the way, use running back less than anybody in football. So, how much did you really even care? Maybe that's going to change next season. Let's hope not. How did they use running backs more? Uh, um, here are some numbers. James Cook. You're right, by the way. His numbers are going to go up. You know why? Like, we look at it, we go, okay, there's a, a kind of a, a clear point here where you look at it and go, okay, they decided to get James Cook more involved in the offense. You can pretty much start with the game against the Cleveland Browns. Yep. Because all of a sudden, he went from one game with double-digit carries to three in the back half of the regular season, 12 against Miami in the playoffs. Anyway... Joe, his four highest games, this is touches, so it's carries plus receptions. Okay. His four highest, the season high was 20, 
at New England. Then you drop down to 12 in Chicago, 11 against the Browns, 11 against the Patriots. That's not a big number. That's not carries. Yep. That's carries plus receptions. Wouldn't you think like you'd like to see this guy like at yep. least at 15 on the average as the floor for his touches per game? By the way, in the playoffs, two games, zero catches. Yep. Zero targets in the passing game for James Cook, who is, guess what? A run after catch guy, and I I don't I don't want to think he can't be a starting running back in the NFL just because he didn't do it in college. The Bills actually repeatedly throughout their time have made have put players into roles that they did not fill in college. Mm-hmm. The quarterback, the the most notably, and it's worked. Dawson Knox being more of a pass catching tight end, he had zero. Didn't Dawson Knox have zero touchdowns in in college? Gabe Davis was he was so way down on the on the targets chart with yeah. what they had in college at the time around Dawson Knox at wide receiver. Anyway. And and this happens a lot at running back guys, especially college coaches, putting guys into roles that they're, they're doing it based on the skill set, right? Like Cook is fast and mm-hmm. he has a, a smaller body for a running back, so. But I, I can get why any coach would look at him and say, oh, this is a pass-catching running back. And he could catch the football in college, but he didn't get much of an opportunity to run the ball because Georgia had Zamir White, who was also an NFL running back, and he was going to get all the carries. Entered into the NFL. Can, can James Cook be a number one running back? We really don't know because no coach yeah. has ever really put right. him in that position. He can handle it. I mean, we're, what... It's not like we're talking 25 carries a game. For oh, him. yeah. We're, we're talking not, like, yeah. can you get to 15? Yeah, we're not slamming him into the defensive line 20 times a game. No. You know, 15 carries and a handful of catches. Can, can you get to 20 touches a yeah. game? Maybe 18. Like 15 carries, a handful of catches. I think he's going to be the number one back. I think he should be. The dynamic he brings to the running game. Plus, again, yesterday, you know, it. Bean was talking about playmakers, not necessarily wide receivers, but playmakers, getting guys for Josh Allen to get the ball in these guys' hands. He was asked again about the importance of yards after catch, which I really don't need to waste a lot of time on. The, the last offseason was so much focus on yards after catch, and the Bills yeah. were worse in that stat last year than they were the year before. But here's a guy who can check all the boxes, right? The, the yep. dynamic runner, the speed the yards after catch, a weapon in the passing game. It'd be nice if the Bills could learn how to regularly execute a screen pass. He could be a really good weapon in this offense next season. Yards created over expected per attempt. This is a wow, way... We're, we're really delving into these yeah, stats. This, I didn't know there was such a thing. This is a way to kind of weed out, okay, how much the offensive line is doing for you, stacked box percentage mm-hmm. by the defense. It's just trying to isolate... Just what the running back is doing, not what everything is going around him. And James Cook was at .56 yards created per carry right. by himself. That number might not sound like a lot, but Packers, it, but it pack- was one of the top guys in the league. He had the same number, yards created over expected, that as Josh Jacobs and Aaron Jones. He had a higher number than Kenneth Walker, DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley, Isaiah Pacheco, Delvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor. Mentioned Leonard Fournette, he's way down. Alvin Kamara, like, he was good. And for me, I can argue till I'm blue in the face how good James Cook is. My 
number one reason, though, for wanting to see him be the number one back and Hines to be the number two is that is the combination that has me investing the the fewest assets in running back this offseason. Because right. all I'm doing then is... You're filling a body for your third guy. Duke Johnson. Anybody, right. I'm signing a guy to a vet minimum contract to be a healthy scratch. To me, that's the right way to approach it is... Duke Johnson, Matt Breida. Name yeah. all the third running backs that have been here yep. that just don't get used. No draft picks. No Singletary contract. Right. No free agent contract. Restructure Hines yep. and use every penny you have... At your disposal on other things. You are fine at running back if you're the Bills. 803-0550 to join us. Sal joining us at the top of the hour. Before we go to break, we are giving away these tickets all this week. We have the um, Western New York Sport and Travel Expo coming to the fairgrounds in Hamburg, March 10th through the 12th. And we have a four-pack of tickets to give away. It's for one-day admission to the Expo. If you'd like to try and win them, you should call us right now. 221 Four seven, you know, you want to get out of the house, get get over to the fairgrounds for this. Two two one four nine four seven. Evan will give the four pack of tickets for one day admission to call number five. Book your dream hunt or get fishing and hunting gear at special show prices. More info at wnysportshow.com. I've always said, and this my, my after the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. My own personal philosophy, it's cute, it's sexy to play Golden State Warriors football in September and October when the weather's good, but the teams that are playing in January and into February are teams that play tough defense and teams that are able to run the ball, and so you got to be able to do those things. All right, that's the new Titans general manager. Rand Carthon. Rand Carthon? Yeah. Rand is his first name. Get it? Run the ball? I, oh, it's perfect. Thank you. I I'm here all, not all week. love it. The Tennessee Titans that we all love to hate on, to, to, to complain about. They're playing in the dark ages. They are not going anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. They are staying right here. Any new GM, they might have thought, oh, maybe they'll move on from Derrick Henry. Maybe they'll start throwing the... Nope. Nope. Ground and pound. Yeah, I um, what a what a terrible can can I take, do uh, by the way? Or if the the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl, don't they kind of play Warriors football? Yes, so uh, it usually works. Don't go changing. We love you just the way you are. Please stick to that formula because don't play Golden State Warriors football. Don't don't play. Don't try and score tons of points. Right, exactly. Don't try to win championships. So, like, if he coached <laughs> the Golden State Warriors, would he tell? Would he have told Curry and Thompson to not shoot threes? Hundred percent. <laughs> they want to throw throw it in the post. Let's work it down low. We'll play a two-point game, and we'll right. play really good defense, boys. Yeah, we want to wear them down. We really want to wear them down. Well, it's worked extremely well for the Tennessee Titans because they've won a bunch of – no, no, they haven't won any Super Bowls. Uh, well, they've made it to the – no, they haven't made it to the Super Bowl in a while. I know. The Spe- Titans? Speaking in Buffalo. Look at their playoff performances in recent years. It's a good thing they want to be running the ball well in January. First off, you haven't played in February, Mr. Carthen. Your team hasn't played in February. But it's a good thing you want to be running the ball well in January. 
Uh, missed the playoffs this year. I don't know if he, he caught that or not. Previous year, lost in the division round. Previous year, lost as a wild card. The high point was the conference championship loss in 2019. Missed in 2018. Lost in the division round in 2017. So, yeah, that uh, lean on your running game thing is going really well. I think they're about to get really bad really quick. Their roster is falling apart. I think you started seeing it last season. You started seeing it last season. That's right. But the roster is getting old. It's starting to fall apart. They're losing key pieces. They had to cut Taylor DeWan, was Taylor DeWan Robert Woods, Zach yeah. Cunningham, three starters, all number ones at important positions. Hey, by who's the way. playing quarterback? And I mean, that, now, right, right there. The yep. GM was. I think he tried to do a vote of confidence for Ryan Tannehill yesterday, but it didn't sound overly convincing. No, he sound- And even Tannehill's game has dropped down. And by the way, let me remind you once again, this is the franchise that traded A.J. Brown away. Yeah, this is what is the what is the quote on Tannehill from yesterday? It was something it was along the lines fairly of fairly close to he's still on our roster type of thing. Yeah, so he's our quarterback as long as he's on the team. Yeah, it was not a ringing endorsement. Here we go. Uh, we have to accept the fact that quarterback Ryan Tannehill is under contract and right now he's a Titan and will be a Titan. We have to accept the fact that he's under contract. <laughs> that is not a vote of confidence. No, and by the way, he's got like a $36 million cap number next season. And they would save half by cutting him. Yeah. Will they cut him? Yeah, I think they will. But, and then but here's who? the pro- here's I knew you were going to ask me. The, here's the problem. What are they doing at quarterback? They drafted a kid and put him in, and he struggled so much, they yeah. grabbed a guy off the street towards the end of the season him and in. made him the starter. Well, they pick 11 this year. Are they going to get a look at a quarterback there? That you probably have not, to trade not up. based on the mocks. Every mock I've seen, Kuiper's mock today. Yeah, four quarterbacks in the top nine gone. So they'd have to move up. They'd have to move up into the top ten, I think, to get a quarterback. Is that what they do? Do they have the gumption? Do they have the? Do they have the? You know what? To to move up and get a guy? Like I just do they care? They just talked about you got to run the ball all the time, right? Do you think he's going to give up assets to move I, up to get a quarterback? I think they end up back at Tannehill. I don't think they're aggressive enough. I think at quarterback, I think they'll end up back at Tannehill. I think they're going to keep Derrick Henry. I think their only other option would be you cut Tannehill, you open up cap space, you find a cheaper veteran yep. quarterback alternative in the group that's going to be out there. And here's the thing: when they were winning and they were winning their division, a couple of things were happening. One, they played in the worst division in football. Yep, they they had six easy games every year going into it, where they knew they were going to win five of them. The other thing was I mean, their biggest threat would have been Deshaun Watson before Houston got bad. Yep. Philip Rivers had a playoff year in the with the Colts. I mean, it's yep. not there's not a lot to write but home the about. The last three years they've had they've they've had a pretty easy yeah. go of it in comparison. Yeah. Yep. The other thing is they've had really good rosters. They've had mm-hmm. like they they've had good defensive lines. They've had good secondaries. They had an elite number one wide receiver. Yeah. They had a lot of stuff, a great offensive line. The old line, by the way, I think they have one returning starter from two years ago when Derrick Henry led the league in rushing, or one guy left from that offensive line. I mean, Saffold and Questenberry were That's part right. of that line, and they were both here. Right. And now Lawan's released, yeah. Now the roster isn't good. Now the roster is broken. Yeah. And your division as a whole isn't better yet, but you got now you've got a real franchise quarterback in your division with a good head coach. 
So your division's gotten harder. Your roster's gotten worse. And, and one Derrick of your Henry's getting older. And one of your I can't remember where the Colts draft, but obviously one of your division rivals is in prime position. They're going to get to a quarterback. get perhaps the first quarterback off the board. Yep. Depending on what Chicago does, they're going to Houston and Indianapolis are going to get their franchise quarterback. So the Colts would be or, able to get one too. They'll take their swing at it. Yeah. So that's what I meant. I mean, they're going to yeah, give it yeah. a shot. They're going. They're going to address it, whereas Tennessee right. might not be able to. So going into next to. year, let's think they. Let's assume they can't get their hands on that quarterback they want. So it'll be Jacksonville is better than you right now. So you're not the best team right now. And if you go in with Tannehill again, you are a distant fourth when it comes to your quarterback future in that division. Oh, he's not right. He's not sticking around much longer. Next year would be his last if he's back. Sal's on the way in a moment. 803-0550. We'll get to the Leslie Frazier news and everything Bills related. You got any questions, comments, opinions? On your football team here in town, you can join us in a moment with Mr. Capaccio on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 